the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. But watch this. But love edifies. It means love mixed with knowledge. Love is edifying. Knowledge alone makes you proud, makes you unconcerned about anyone else that lifts you up with pride. But if you add love to it, then you're going to edify one another. Love edifies. Love builds up the other person. Love is not concerned with just that I know the truth and I don't care what anybody says about it. No, love says I know the truth, but I really care about someone else before my own rights. I don't have to do this kind of stuff. As a missionary serving in one of the poorest countries on the planet, I was always a little self-conscious when it came to situations that would highlight the contrast between my relative affluence and my island friend's lack of purchasing power. They knew there was a difference, of course, but I also knew that I couldn't be doing my testimony any good if I waved it in front of their faces. It's much the same with our Christian liberty when we're engaged with other Christians who don't sense the same liberties. Doing things that our conscience permits in front of someone whose conscience doesn't permit it doesn't necessarily show a lot of love, does it? Christian Liberty is our subject today on Verse by Verse, and it's great to have you here today for the conclusion of Pastor Steve's mini-series from Romans chapter 14. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 19th century preacher and author Henry Trumbull said, Conscience tells us that we ought to do right, but it does not tell us what right is. That we're taught by God's Word. But sometimes, though, we edit the Word a little bit, don't we? We might filter out a few things before they make it into our conscience. But very often, what we do is we add things that are not in God's Word as we develop our consciences over the years. As a result, some things that are perfectly acceptable for one believer might be horrible sins for another. Besides our passage here in Romans, Paul also dealt with the issue of conscience and liberty in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 8, he wrote about eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Even though it was not sinful, some believers were offended by the practice because of their abhorrence of idol worship. So, Paul said in verse 13, Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble... I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. That was a big deal to Paul, and he made a good point. Let's listen now as Pastor Steve continues that thought. God doesn't care about the food you eat or the food you don't eat, but others do. And God does care about his children, so don't hurt his children. Because if you sin against them, you sin against him. He died for them. He gave up his rights for them. That's the least you could do. See, Christ died for that rule-oriented brother. And how dare we render him useless to God because we want to see a movie or go to the theater or play cards. That's the point. We live in a very self-centered Christian environment. The evangelical world today is very self-centered. People are fighting for their rights. I mean, we sue each other. We fight to do this. We, if anyone says you can't do it, oh, 
legalistically, and we, we call people names, we do all kinds of things, and we take advantage of the freedom that Christ has given us at the expense of others. And that's not love, that's sin. So if you're free, it doesn't mean that you have to use your freedom. Paul certainly didn't. We're called to be sensitive to those who are weak, weak in the area of conscience. So that is the broad principle of love. What about the priorities of love? That's the second guideline. Love has priorities. Love doesn't get nitpicky. Love doesn't pursue trivia. That's the original trivial pursuit. You see what I mean? Verse 16, therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. What does he mean here? It's good. Isn't it good that a, that a Jew coming out of, of Judaism knows that he's free in Christ? He doesn't have to worship on the Sabbath? That every day to the Lord is to be a day of worship? Isn't that good? Sure it is. Isn't it good that a Jew who can never eat certain foods could be saved and now he can eat all kinds of things? Isn't that good? Isn't that good that Christ has set him free from the bondage of the law? Sure it is. That's wonderful. That's good. But it's not good if he abuses it. It's not good if he abuses it. And that's why he says, do not let that which is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. Who would speak of it as evil? I don't think here he primarily, primarily means the weak brother. I think he's talking about the world. I think he's talking about the unsaved person. That would seem to be the context as he follows through on that in verses 17 and 18. The world looks at believers who don't care enough about their weaker brother to cause them to stumble or to refrain from using their liberty so that the brother stumbles. And the, and, and the unsaved world looks at us fighting on silly, nitpicky issues where we won't refrain from the use of our liberty and they blaspheme the God that we claim to love. All they do is they see us fighting. Let me explain. Look at verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating, it's not drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The essence of Christianity is not what you eat, and it is not what you drink. It isn't based upon a set of rules and regulations or legalistic ceremonies. What really matters, the heart of Christianity, is what he says in verse 17. It is righteousness before God. It is peace with God and peace with one another. And it is joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the sphere in which Christ reigns. That's what Christianity is all about. That I'm right with God. That I have peace with Him. I have peace with my fellow believers. That I have joy. That I'm in harmony with Christ and in harmony with one another. That is the essence of of Christianity. That's what really matters. It's the internal realities of righteousness, peace, and joy. Not food. Not drink. Let me apply this, because I think when we deal with food and drink, those aren't issues to us, and we tend to, to just exclude that from our 20th century application. The application is this. Many Christians look at questionable issues in the Christian life as the thing. That's what they hear preached about. That's what they talk about. The central thing to them is, can a man wear a beard? How long should his hair be? What if he touches a drink of wine? What if he smokes? What if he goes to movies? The length of a dress. That's the central issue to many, many, many Christians. And they go to churches that preach about that every single week. And the world listens to this. And you know what they think? Christianity is a, is a bunch of do's and don'ts. Because that's all they ever hear. Because we've lost our priorities There are churches that focus on nothing but these type of issues. And the world looks at that and they make a conclusion that that's what their Christianity 
is all about. And they see us fighting over it. And they see us getting in church splits over that kind of stuff. And they blaspheme the very God that we claim to represent because they can't see us getting along in love. They, all they see is us disagreeing on these non-essential, trivial issues. As I said a moment ago, this really is trivial pursuit. Things that aren't vital to the Christian life. We've lost sight of what really counts. In my own life, I've just, I've just purposed in my life never to be caught up in these kind of things. It's, it's just trivial. It's just tri- I don't want to be known as somebody who major, majors on minors. It's really relatively unimportant. What, what is important are the internal realities of the Christian life, not the external forms. Look what he says in verse 18. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. What he's saying is this. If you live in such a way that you don't major on the minors, but your priorities are what God's priorities are, righteousness, peace, and joy, if, if that's the way you live your life and don't get hung up on all these other issues and disagreeing with people and name-calling and majoring on do's and don'ts and all that kind of stuff, Christ is pleased, it's acceptable before him, and even the world will approve of it. The world approves of it when they see Christians get along with one another. They judge Christianity by our love. And when you have two groups of people who are always arguing about things and splitting over such nonsense things as where the piano is going to be in the church, and there are churches who split over that, or what color the carpet is going to be, then the world has every right to look at us and blaspheme the God that we claim to know. But if those things are secondary, if those things are unimportant to us, then that, even the world approves of that, that Christians love one another to refrain from taking advantage of weaker brothers. The Lord's testimony is far too important to to lose over cosmetics, movies, card playing. You see, I love my brethren too much to break fellowship with them over a debatable issue. That's, That's ridiculous. And I love the testimony of Christ too much to argue and make that the central point of my life because a watching world looks at us and looks at me and looks at you and sees if we're really loving one another if we're really relinquishing our rights for the sake of unity and harmony in Christ. So the principle of love is that we're sensitive to others, and the priority of of love is that we, we major on the things that God says are the priorities, not minor, non essential issues. There's a third guideline here, and that is the pursuit of love. Verse nineteen. So then I mean based on all this, so then here's what we're to do. So then let us pursue Or let us follow, but let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. The pursuit of a Christian who knows his liberty isn't how far can I go. (laughs) That's not the pursuit. How far can I go before it will be wrong? That's not the pursuit of a Christian. The pursuit of love says, will my brother be hurt by this? Will it build my brother up? The pursuit of love is to edify one another and to maintain peace. That's what he says in verse 19. Let's pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Building up means edify or edify building up. Romans 15.2 says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Not to ours. Not a self-centered type of thing. Build up. I want, I want you to see 1 Corinthians 8.1. We touched on this last week, but this is so very important. 1 Corinthians 8.1. 
Now, I told you the background. Some Gentiles said, we can eat foods offered to an idol because an idol is nothing. Others said, no, 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 that's, that's our whole sinful background. We can't touch that. It represents our old way of life. Paul opens this whole section by saying this. Now, concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. I mean, we know that the Bible doesn't forbid this. There's no place in the Bible that forbids this. But, he says, knowledge makes arrogant. Now, what he means there is knowledge alone makes a person arrogant. Knowledge alone. There are some people who pride themselves because they know how free they are. And nobody's going to take that freedom away from them. Listen, nobody is taking that freedom from you. The Bible just says, use it wisely. No one would want to take your freedom. Paul wouldn't want to take your freedom away. I don't want to take your freedom away. The freedom that Christ died to give us is yours, is mine. But if you're approaching this whole issue by saying, I just know it, I can do it, the Bible doesn't forbid it, and that's the only guideline you have, then you've, you've become arrogant. You've become lifted up with pride. There are many Christians like this. They're theological eggheads. All they know is what the Bible says, but they have no consideration for anyone else. They're just going to storm their way through life without any thought of, of who they run over. So he says, knowledge makes arrogance. And he's telling them, you're arrogant. You're arrogant. But watch this. But love edifies. It means love mixed with knowledge. Love is edifying. Knowledge alone makes you proud, makes you unconcerned about anyone else that lifts you up with pride. But if you add love to it, then you're going to edify one another. Love edifies. Love builds up the other person. Love is not concerned with just that I know the truth and I don't care what anybody says about it. No, love says I know the truth, but I really care about someone else before my own rights. I don't have to do this kind of stuff. See, we're not to become centers of controversy just because we know we can do certain things. We're to build up the church. And if we're not doing that, if the pursuit of our lives and love is not to build up one another, you know what's going to happen? Back to Romans 14, verse 20. This is the result. If you don't live this way, you're going to do this, whether you know it or not. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. His conscience is not clear on this. In God's sight, they're clean. In the, in the sight of his conscience, they're not clean, and he has to obey his conscience. He says in verse 20, do not tear down the work of God. Tearing down is the opposite of building up or edifying. What is the work of God? He's not talking here about a church program. He's not talking about an organization. He's talking about you, and he's talking about me. We are the work of God. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We being the church, individuals, Jesus said, I will build my church. We are the work of God. Don't tear down believers is what he's saying. God's in the process of building them up. You don't come along and tear them down. Well, someone says, but it's perfectly proper and allowable for me to eat whatever I want. Perfectly proper. Well, all things, he says, indeed are clean, but they are evil the man who eats and gives offense. It may be clean to do it, but if somebody stumbles by it, you're doing something evil. And the evil is not necessarily because you're touching something that's permissible. It's because you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you're doing it without any regard for your brother in Christ who can't handle that. He says in verse 21, it is not good to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. That's not good. It may be allowable in your conscience but once you know somebody could stumble by that and you do it, it's evil and it's not good. 
The pursuit of love voluntarily curtails the use of freedom because love puts others first. Finally, the practice of love. How do we put this into very, very simple and practical terms? How do you put it into practice? Look at verse 22. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction. Before God, have it as your own conviction. Happy or blessed is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. In other words, you keep your personal convictions on these type of issues to yourself. Don't go flaunting your liberty. Don't go with this attitude and know what I can do, but you can't. No, keep it to the Lord and yourself. Let it be known only between you and Christ. I mean, if you have to tell somebody, tell somebody who also has the same clear conscience about it so they don't stumble. Paul is not calling us to give up our liberty. Don't misunderstand. He's just saying that you are to keep it secretly before God so that it's not manifested to others whom it can hurt. If you have a clear conscience about these things, then you are blessed. He says you're happy. That's wonderful. I'm happy that I know I'm free in Christ. I'm, really, I'm blessed. I am free in Christ. I came out of Judaism, and though I was not a religious Jew, I came out of that somewhat of that thinking in the Old Testament in terms of hearing about kosher things, and my grandmother kept a kosher home, and I, we never did, but that was familiar with me. I came out. I'm happy. I can eat sweet and sour pork. Just shouldn't be a glutton about it, but I can eat that. I'm happy. I'm blessed. I have, I have relatives who are still in legalism. They don't know. They couldn't eat sweet and sour pork. Couldn't have a ham sandwich. They have to do what they do. They can't do anything, rather, on the Sabbath. I have relatives like that. But I'm blessed. I'm happy. It's wonderful for me to know that I'm free in Christ. I, I can do things on the Sabbath, and I don't have to feel guilty about it. But not everyone has a clear conscience over these things. Not every believer. And if you force your convictions on them, look what happens in verse 23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. He feels guilty. He's condemned by God. It's wrong. It's sin for him to do it. Because his eating is not from faith. That is, it's not from the persuasion that he can do this. He doesn't have a clear conscience. And whatever is not from faith is what? Sin. Don't tell others to do anything of this nature. Don't, don't tell them. Listen, you can do it. Go ahead. This is so, be so careful, especially with teenagers. Teenagers will want to come up to you and say, is it all right to do this? Is it all right to do that? They want you to tell them about your conviction. Do not do that. They come up to me. I'm not going to tell them what I can do. I'm not going to say it's right to do this. It's right to do that. And that's all. Believe me, that's what teenagers want to know. They want to, can you smoke? Can you drink? Is, what about movies? What? That's what they ask you. Never tell them it's all right to do that. Never say that because what may be all right to you is not all right to them. And you have destroyed Someone in Christ. You, you send a teenager on the road to, to moral perversion because he violates his conscience. I will never do that to someone. Now, if they ask me a biblical issue, I'll say that. I'll deal with it. But if they say, and believe me, that's the questions teenagers want answered. Give them, these ba- give them the tape. That's what you do. Go over these principles with them. But don't tell them it's all right for you to do that. Never. Never. Because if they can't do it from a clear conscience, it is sin to them. Just as if it were written in black and white in the Word of God. It is sin. Folks, there are some things that others can do that you can't do. There are certain things that others can do that I can't do. I'm weak in certain areas. It doesn't bother me. I'll grow. My conscience will catch up with it. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going to force the issue. 
I know that I'm free in those areas, but even those areas that I have trouble, I know intellectually, but my conscience would feel uneasy about doing them, so I don't do that. It's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But what would be wrong is if you violated your conscience because others are doing it. Let me illustrate it this way. On occasion, I take a walk with my girls, two young, young daughters, and uh, they walk a lot slower than I do. I can run down the street, and I have the freedom to do that. Nothing's stopping me, but I'd also hurt my little girls in the process because they, they couldn't keep up with me. Am I going to do that because I have the freedom and drag them along with me and bruise their legs and, and hurt them because I have the freedom to do it? Am I going to yell at them and say, you can do it? Come on, keep up with me. No, someday those little girls will grow up and they'll probably walk a lot faster than I ever could. They wheel me around in the wheelchair. But right now they can't. And I'm not going to force them to because it will hurt them. In the Christian life, there are some things that you can do. You can run where others are just walking. Don't force your progress on them and your freedom on them because you'll hurt them. Let them catch up to you, and they will in their own time. Let them do that. So let's bring this to a close. How far do we take this limiting on our liberties? I want to say something. Don't turn your minds off. This is very important. I don't think this means that we can never use our freedom. I don't want you to go away from here thinking that if you have the freedom to do certain things, that you can never use it. No, I don't think that Paul is saying that at all. It just means don't use your freedom when you are aware that it will hurt others. When you're aware that it will hurt others. Certain things you can do that others don't even know about. It's fine. Go ahead and do them if that's what you can do. But don't go advertising it. And if you have someone weaker around you, don't go inviting them to go to a certain place or do a certain thing with you and don't come back and tell them how wonderful it was. And I want to also say I think the balance is this. Some believers will disagree with you, but they won't stumble. There's another category that Paul doesn't deal with. There are some believers who, they'll disagree with you, it's, you shouldn't do this, but they're not going to stumble. That's not what Paul is talking about. There's some people who, who are not in this category. They're not going to be tempted to do anything. They're not going to be hurt by what you do. They're just still disagree with you. Paul's not dealing with that. He's speaking about the brother who can be very, very easily swayed by you. Refrain from the use of your liberty if it'll hurt him. The man who is truly free is free to restrict his freedom for the sake of others. Do you get that? The man who is truly free is free to restrict his freedom for the sake of others. Hmm. I like how Pastor Steve put that. The man who is truly free is free to restrict his freedom for the sake of others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the freedom that we have in Jesus. Thank you that our eternal security does not depend on us following a rigid and complicated list of acceptable and unacceptable behaviors. But we do ask that you would help us to never take advantage of that freedom in ways that would cause another believer to stumble. Help us to instead use Holy Spirit-given discernment and strength to limit our actions and words to those that would build up other believers so that they would become stronger in their faith and ever more useful to your kingdom purposes. Amen. I'm glad you could be here for another Bible lesson from Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by verse is our way of bringing his expository Bible teaching to a wider audience. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com. The website has lots of information about Lakeside, such as directions, service times, and there's even a link to their K-12 Christian school. 
You can also get the address and service times by calling Lakeside during office hours. The number is 727-441-1714. You can also call that number if you'd like to have a free audio CD with the entire sermon Pastor Steve just finished. Ask for message 5472, Christian Liberty. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. Another listening option is our message archive page at versebyverseradio.org. All of our previous broadcasts are available there. Please feel free to stream or download any of those files that interest you. If the Lord is moving you to help support Verse by Verse, we have a convenient giving page on our website. We're grateful for and humbled by the listeners whose generosity makes it possible to continue beaming these Bible classes of the air into radios near and far. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Oh, one more website, and this is for our blind listeners. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and you'd like to have a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit blindbibles.com. That's blindbibles.com or call 800-838-5924. This is Jerry Peterson. Please join us next time as Pastor Steve Kreloff begins a new series of lessons from God's Word. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, there's a lot going on right now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.